0: Previously, on All Things Unexplained.
1: We are addicted to war. We are addicted to being, to, we're addicted to this stuff. What, we have a 20-year war in Afghanistan, for God's sakes, you know? Didn't we learn from the British and the Russians, (laughs) you know? um, You know, we should have learned, but we don't, we didn't. Um for all the praying we say we do as a species to our gods and goddesses, okay? um, Do we really give it lip service? Do we really? The thing to remember, this is how I gotta say this. If I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready to stab you, If I've done any amount of concentration, any amount of understanding, and any amount of touching the universe and being alone with my thoughts, and if I'm enlightened, I realize that I am shooting myself. Because that person looking back at me is me too. Because we are all one consciousness. Okay? And that's what a lot of people don't get. And with the ETs, we are one consciousness with them as well. And that's what a lot
2: of people don't get.
1: All Things Unexplained, hosted
2: by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway.
1: (laughs) CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves.
2: I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. So I just free ball.
1: Featuring Cajun Man.
2: I'm just old nobody. Somebody looking for somebody.
0: Many people need to spend a lot more time with their thoughts, that's for sure.
2: For sure. Yeah. We're speaking with Cheryl Costa, author of some incredible books, such as Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch, available on Amazon, UFO Beat, full of terrific UFO encounter articles. Many of which, by the way, Cheryl, we don't have time to get into this. There it is, UFO Beat. Hopefully we can have you back sometime. We can touch on some of these, such as you had one article in there about gravity hill or spook hill, and it just oh yeah, so, there's there's 80 yes. of these gravity hills around the world. It just yeah. so happened, it it was only I don't know weeks ago that I was telling CJ and some other friends about a gravity hill that my brother, <laughs> me and my brother and some friends and I in college, you know, we set out to get to in Mississippi to go and you know you park at the bottom, put your car in neutral, roll right up to the top of the hill. Right up to the top. But I actually loved that article. But, and this was goes back to the, the statistics part of it. You know, it, it makes you see the truth. So I would have said, this is a hot spot for UFO activity, as other Gravity hills work. But I would have been wrong. And I learned that from your book, The UFO Beat, and that article. And I loved how you, you know, had some scientific speculation in there that a lot of people think, UFOs travel on or use gravity waves in some uh, form of travel and just the fact that we have some sort of gravitational disruption in these locations means we get less UFO activity here and I thought but well, you know what my, my mind was blown when, I, read
1: when I wrote that article, it fried me. It really did. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I pulled up the numbers that I had at the time. Now, Yates County isn't as bad as as I said it was. It's bad for UFO sightings. It, it's not a hot spot, um, but uh, I was working only with MUFON numbers at the time. And MUFON in the database, MUFON's about forty percent of the database. National UFO Reporting Center is about sixty percent, and pretty consistently and uh, so yeah but yeah gates county is uh, is uh, not exactly a hot spot and a lot of these other uh the 80 other ones that are around the planet i don't think
2: they are either so right and you only get that knowledge by looking at it through a scientific lens and i just thought that was great And you can pick up the ufo beat on amazon as well i had a closing segment i was hoping to do with you cheryl Sure, where I could get your hot takes on just a few things, a few hot button topics. So a hot take. I don't know if you ever okay, do short those answers. Or, on my short answer. That's okay. right. But you know, <laughs> the rules don't apply here. Let's face it. But CJ, before we get into a few hot takes, do you have anything else you want
0: to? Yeah, I just had one other thing that really stuck out to me while I was reading the UFO beat, and there was a section where. I, I can't remember if it was you or somebody else's quote that somebody was talking about flying saucers and they said well that's your granddad's UFO that you know these flying saucers <laughs> used to be you know this big saucer right and now we're seeing more of these pyramid shapes and triangle shapes and do you think that technology has changed in terms of what these UFOs are or do you think that we are seeing you know the UFOs of days past are they from the same places the UFOs of today. What what do you think explains the change in the shape of UFOs over time? The um,
1: first thing, discs are still a very popular shape that people see. Okay? okay. D- disc shape, okay? Uh, and it's uh, still a very high number. Um, uh, back in the summer uh, when they showed that, uh, when those Jeffrey Corbell videos of the infrared thing showed a sphere UFO uh, sailing around very slowly around the ship uh, yes. USS Omaha I got a phone call from a, uh, from a journalist in the west coast he says are, are sphere UFOs a thing and I said yeah it's the number three silhouette of all the UFOs he's well how many of them I said 17,113 <laughs> and the guy the guy dropped the phone he had to pick it back up and apologize it, it shocked him so much he dropped the phone um so uh there's okay Linda will tell you the shapes are about different technolo- different different technologies and different cultures. Okay, we all have cars, but there's a big difference between a Ford sitting out here and a mm-hmm. Maserati from Italy, from Italy, okay? And for a long time there was a big difference between American cars and Japanese cars, you know, that type of thing. And uh so that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, different different cultures, different approach to the transportation and the technology. Um, we are, different people have different ways of manipulating the, the sauce of the universe, so to speak, to get here. So um, that's pretty much it. Next question.
2: Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I like
0: that. Brother. That's I really like that answer.
2: That was a great answer. A great point. So I have to say real quick before we get into our hot takes that, Uh, so i was born on halloween i love halloween i think maybe there's a lot of extra paranormal activity or ufo sightings on halloween because so many people are out right they're out outside trick-or-treating whatever looking up but you had a you had a whole section in the ufo beat about sightings on halloween (laughs) which i loved and christmas by the way but oh christmas sightings are amazing you know (laughs) well that makes me wonder you know is this people looking for santa is santa an alien, perhaps. Well, okay. okay. <laughs> I had
1: my I had my second sighting was on Christmas Eve, nineteen seventy one, in Cameron Bay, Vietnam. Wow. We saw this thing streaking across the sky. A friend of mine and I were walking down to a chapel. Neither one of us were practicing Catholics anymore. We were both nineteen or something like that. And uh, but we decided, hey, for tradition, let's go to Midnight Mass, right? You know, and we were, go- we we're walking down the runway. Runway lights had been shut off because there was no traffic at night. It was Christmas Eve, for God's sakes, you know? And we saw this thing streaking across the sky and then it stops. And I looked at Tom, and I said, Tom, um, jets don't stop. And he said, yeah, and helicopters don't fly that fast. And I said, you know, with all the reading I've been doing, if that's what I think it is, it's going to start dancing around like a fairy. You know, it's a right. phew, 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 gone, you know. And neither one of us had our mind at midnight mass when we got there. <laughs> you know, oh, it I was great. Yeah, it, but it, it rattled me and it stayed with me. I didn't tell anybody that until about 15 years ago. I didn't share that story until about 15 years ago because it was, it, In I was, what, 19 years old? It rattled me really bad and i was afraid stigma i was afraid to tell anybody Mm -hmm. you know oh sure so
2: well speaking of the halloween encounters in your book the ufo beat on amazon i'm going to tie it in i got to say this too cj told you about her friend happy birthday on on halloween by the way oh thank you Um, (laughs) i have two i have i have two birthdays and one of them is halloween amazing and interestingly my nephew's birthday is on christmas so we got extra presents and we both always said hey they made a holiday after us so we loved it well (laughs) in my case my real birth my 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 my
1: birthing birthday was in april okay but when i had my gender change surgery was on halloween morning 1989. oh wow okay so that was my other birthday so to be and by the way in this household it's celebrated
2: and i get a little cake to go with it you know so (laughs) there you go i say Go ahead, and celebrate both of them. <laughs> you need need more celebrations. So, I but, actually
1: get more. I get more email and memes for that date than I do for my regular
2: birthday. <laughs> there you go.
1: So, okay, other other questions.
2: In the oh hot yeah, just there. before we get into the hot takes. So, this it was. It, this also blew my mind. CJ's friend, who she told you, came on our show, who encountered. And by the way, just a a straightforward lady professional educated woman right hesitant to tell her story but yet she encountered a giant circular ufo and was it queens or brooklyn queens queens just mind blowing right the only thing she could compare it to was it looked like the massive mothership in independence day over the white house you know in the movie but then i'm reading the ufo beat by our guest cheryl costa and right there out of nowhere it just jumps out at me halloween 2003 i do not recall the location though i assume somewhere in the new york area roughly a witness sees a silent ufo now and by the way that's one thing cj's friend said it's completely silent which is a paradox, right? Gigantic things are not supposed to be completely silent. But this witness, Halloween 2003, New York area. A football field sized UFO completely silent. And so just she to, you was know, Cheryl, 2002. Yes, 2002. And I have tried hard, MUFON helped me on this, and I've tried hard to find any other um, encounters of what you would call gigantic UFOs.
1: Okay, I can give you one, I can give
2: you one, and I don't know if I wrote about it. Uh,
1: My triangle, uh, the one I saw was, uh, I wrote two stories about triangles, and I think one of them was mine. Um, I was still working for the other newspaper doing the the late night stuff with producing the paper, okay? And I got home about three o'clock in the morning, and I parked the car in the garage. And I used to come outside in the driveway, and if it was a clear night, uh, if I look north, there was the Big Dipper and gazillion stars, as they say, you know. And I used to sit there and kind of do what I call uh, what what we call in the uh, the Buddhist trade a standing meditation, where you stand there for about five minutes with your thoughts, just like let the day go, okay. And I was sitting there doing this, and I started hearing this. <laughs> was a humming sound but it had kind of a, a rumbling beat to it and uh, I glanced up above me because it seemed to be above me and I looked above it and this 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 stars were blotting out okay and the triangle when it got past me uh, it had to have been uh, close to two football fields long okay and it looks like your classic uh, triangle UFO that, like uh, David Marler, the triangle expert, has got models of you know three three light ball type things, a red light on the bottom, that kind of thing. And it was it seemed to be moving like a casual, yeah, it, it felt like the thing was flying at forty miles an hour, just leisurely leaning leaning off to the northwest, you know. And this is before I was writing a column and. I went inside, wrote it in my journal, sketched it, but I was afraid to tell anybody. This is a year before I started writing a column. Okay. And I was afraid to tell anybody. And uh, it was about a year, uh, about a year later, when I was writing my column, I ran across a story from the same date and time in Syracuse. Syracuse has a bunch of hills, sort of like Rome, okay? And over on the other side of town, coming out at 3.30 in the the morning, was when I got home, Um, 3.30 in the morning was this nurse coming off shift at Krause Hospital, and she comes out, and she could look across town and could see where I'm on the opposite hill, and she saw this thing going by, you know, Mm -hmm. and she reported it. Okay, so uh, I, when I saw that, many you know, what almost eight months later, when I was going through the, the reports trying to find things to write about, I'm going, "Wow, oh my God!" You know, and I I went in my journal, and there it was. You know, so um, there was another kid up in a place called Herkimer, New York. It's up in what they call the leather stocking region along the New York State Thruway, and he was in high school. This is in the '70s. And he used uh, when you're a farm kid, and you in the middle of the winter, you get on a snowmobile. You want to go over to Ralph's house and work on the the the, the history assignment we got. Okay, they would they would jump on the snowmobile and drive over there, right across the, because the fields aren't growing anything; it's just full of snow, right? And he's coming back from his friend's house. Gazillion stars in the sky, as they say. And suddenly, he, his, his snowmobile started running rough in the middle of one of the, uh, the, the big fields they had. We're, I mean, we're talking 100-acre uh, fields. it started running rough and quit. And when it quit, that's when he heard this humming, pulsing humming sound going over. And it started blotting out the stars.
2: And okay. funny thing
1: is when, it, when he realized what it was, when it got over uh, these uh, large um, electrical grid, you know, like interstate electrical right. grids, it flew over them probably only maybe 50 or hundred feet above the, the grid Ar- the, the electricity was arcing up to it. Oh my. Okay. And, uh, so it was a real, real interesting view, you know, that to read this and going, oh my goodness. You know, so a lot of people have seen these really big, uh, these really big, um, triangles. And I have people keep trying, it used to email me after I read, trying, oh, Cheryl, pat me on the head, you stupid girl, don't you know that's a TR3B? You know, I said, if we built a TR3B and the TR3B is two football fields long, as a taxpayer, I want to know more about it.
2: Right. For sure. Amazing. Those are great stories that there, in that else. book there's a there's
1: a story about a lady uh, about the great the, the the greyhound bus in the field you, that's a cute one it was set in the 1930s this girl was about eight years old they were it was on thanksgiving mm-hmm. and they were uh coming back from a uh, uh grandparents and in, in a city pretty close to where i where i was publishing the paper and um they were going the roads were all these secondary Two lane roads, right? And they went up and how it was, there was no such thing as the interstate in those days. And they went up over this one hill and she screamed at her father and mother, Stop the car, there's a Greyhound bus down there in the cow field. Her father worked for IBM and they got out and she got out. She was in like her Sunday best. And they got got out and looked and down there and she described it being we had an artist sketch the thing it looked like a kind of like a gray house it was gray and it sort of looked like the what the ufo you see on the front cover of our ufo book okay sort of looked oh, like yeah. that and rows and rows of windows and they saw some little guys running around the thing and then as they walked a little further into the field and she was stepping, she told me later, this lady was in her 80s or early 90s, she told me she was stepping in cow patties and everything. Right. And yeah. and, and 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 what happened was uh, the little guys got inside the thing, and the thing took off straight up, and was like oh, gone in like flash. Now we hear these stories in the last few years about these UFOs that dropped from 80,000 feet to almost sea level in a, mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Right. So, you know, when I heard those kinds of stories, this sounds like these guys too, you know, so, oh, yeah. but there, there's some very, very unique stories about this stuff. Uh, I wrote a lot of good ones up in there and uh, I'd be happy if people read them. The UFO beat. Oh uh, yeah. Highly uh, New recommend New York it. state was my UFO beat. And uh, it was some of the seven year the most fun seven years I had writing about these things.
2: Well, I know I sure enjoyed reading them. So, who's ready to do some hot takes?
0: Me. All
2: right, here we go. Let's do some hot takes. CJ, you're definitely welcome to chime in. And we got a little hot take music here. All right, here we go, Cheryl. Hot take number one, Roswell, the Roswell incident. I I didn't take it seriously for years. I really really didn't.
1: And, and then I didn't take it seriously until I started reading Stanton Friedman's an analysis of it when he came out with it. Even then, I really didn't take it super serious. And then um, there was something, in fact, I think I wrote about it. Uh, there was something that happened to me when I finally, oh, I know what it was. I was writing an article about nineteen forty about the, the um, UFO, UFO wave of 1947. Well, most people they think about Roswell as one incident, but from middle of June to about the middle or end of July, we had over, over 950 reported sightings in the United States from 38 States. Most people don't know that we only right. hear about Roswell. Sure. Okay. And it was when I was writing that I called Stanton Friedman up and I said, Hey, Stanton. Did anybody ever take the approach that maybe, you know, this was a starship, Roswell was a starship down and all the rest of the sightings we saw was like the Galactic, the Galactic Federation coming down here, like the Civil Air Patrol looking, looking for them. He said, yeah. And he pointed me at something to read. And if you Google out on the internet, uh, the 1947 UFO wave, you can probably find a PDF that you can download which was written by a guy in NICAP in 19 in the mid 1960s that analyzes this guy was an actor a real, a real professional equity actor, and he was in touring companies. So he worked at night, but he had his daytime available. So every, day, a place, every little town he went to for a couple, 3 nights stay for the show or whatever they did, he would go to the library, crawl through their morgue for two months' worth of newspapers, June and July 1947, and if there was any local sightings that were reported in the paper, he logged it in his book. Okay, and he went to all these different places, and he had probably uh, I think somewhere upwards of twenty-five or thirty newspapers that he mined information from. Right. Okay, so um, and of course, at the same time, these things were happening. The New York Times is going, oh yeah, silly stuff. Those people, oh yeah, astronomers can't find them. There's no such thing. No, by the way, people are telling us they're coming in different shapes and colors. Ha! ha, ha, ha. And they do (laughs) come in different, over a a hundred different shapes and in different colors, you know. So, but, um, so there's an article in there that I wrote uh, in that context.
2: Go ahead. Next question. Amazing. I think you're totally right. No way that was a singular incident. Very interesting that we saw the rise of the CIA Air Force, lots of different entities right after Roswell. So, oh, by the way, I have a listener question real quick for you. Cheryl, George Winters wants to know, so alien technology could be confused as God or goddess-like ability. As someone more in tune with these things, how can anyone truly know the difference?
1: Okay. Um, I was a senior electronic warfare specialist in the Navy. And the joke we used to talk about is uh, we look at, we look at signals on frequencies, everything from DC to light, okay? And that was our, our kind of a joke we had to identify ourselves with and um when you start getting up in the microwave technology um it it was pfm it was pure effing magic okay how some (laughs) of this stuff worked okay and if you breathe on it wrong it didn't work okay uh so um when they say talking about their technology looking what well, was Arthur C. Clark said, you know, as sufficiently advanced technologies look like pure magic, you know, and um, uh, when I do do heavy magical workings over a period of time, um, I've had students say, wow, that really was a
2: physics experiment, wasn't it? You know, <laughs> so you know, right. so, yeah, it does look like magic. Good answer. So next hot take, infamous Area 51 whistleblower Bob Lazar.
1: I love Bob.
2: Love him. I like that thing that Jeremy,
1: (laughs) uh, Jeremy Corbell did about two, three years ago. He did a documentary with him and there was some kind of mention about oh, yes. something with Bob Lazar in the town where the guy lives. Suddenly there's more federal agents there than there are the population. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Somebody believed believed it, you know. Yes. So yeah, I've always taken Bob. Um initially I took Bob at a grain of salt, but the from, but working in the defense industry, I from the outset I believed the guy. He's, I worked in the defense industry and we worked on some pretty sneaky stuff in the defense industry.
2: Everything about Bob Lazar comes off as just totally believable. Everything. And it is interesting, right? Show how, okay, the CIA, they want you to, FBI, they want you to believe this guy's full of crap, right? He's just making all this up. Oh, wait a minute. They're raiding his house. Hmm. Why, why, Thank why? you. Yes. Oh, he's full yes. of crap. Yes. Why is he why is he getting video of you on his cell phone raiding his house? So it doesn't make any sense, right? Good good answer. Next hot take. The recent military videos. are pilots capturing the UAPs on video. Um, it's fantastic
1: footage. We should have gotten more revealed than we did.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Um, we we really should have had started a real serious dialogue with the American people. Okay, we really should have. Okay,
0: it was bad um, timing.
1: It was very bad timing. And had COVID not come along when it did, we might have already had congressional, serious congressional hearings. Uh, something I did last summer, um, about the time all the Jeremy Correll stuff was out there. I made. I took a copy of the pink book. I put a copy, two copies on my couch, and then uh, the Senate Select Committee at that time was headed up by Senator Rubio. Okay, and I took the Florida data, and I dumped it by county, zip code, and shape for 20 years, uh, 2001 through 2020, across the top of the page. It was about a 150 pages deep. Okay, and we drilled it, put it in a three-ring book, did the same thing for a New York State representative on the House Select Committee on Intel, and and put a cover letter with it, showed it to Linda when she came home. I thought she was going to tell me not to mail it, but she looked at it and says, I don't like the cover letters. She wrote a, a, a much more terse cover letter with a little executive summary, and basically, it was only about Two thirds of a page, and the bottom part of it says, "We are the civilian experts on UFO sightings in the United States. If you have congressional hearings, call us, <sighs> and we nice. ship them out now. Two five-pound packages, okay? And my the postmaster in this little dinky burg, about fifteen minutes outside of Syracuse, it was in these little hometown Mayberry RFD post offices. There's like three people in the back and the postmaster." Okay. And every time I send a book out to a radio station or a newspaper or something like that, she's sending it out book rate for me and everything. Oh, who are you sending it to? Oh, CBS News. Oh, cool. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, so so we're doing Mm -hmm. it. And when I send it to Rubio and this other guy's office, I can't remember the guy in the house, uh, unfamiliar name. And uh, when I sent it, he says, oh my, you're sending it to Congress. And I said, yeah i said so if i don't show up for a long time they probably come and put me in cuffs or something <laughs> you know? about three weeks later i look out the window from my apartment complex and there are six police cars parked behind my nissan rogue hello and they're from three different constabularies and i'm <sighs> going oh my god what did i do
0: i've done it now
1: <laughs> it, yeah, that was my first thought. I was going, oh, crap. You know, uh, they did not take a joke down to Congress. It's my first thought, you know, <laughs> this is like three, four weeks later, you know, turned out there was a, our apartment complex at the time it was a 55 plus apartment complex. And we had uh, a lot of old ladies, we Had nothing better to do than say, hey, it's a dead end cul-de-sac where our apartment complex, those guys are doing a drug deal down there called the cops and they said hey there's a drug deal going on down here in our parking lot and we're old ladies we shouldn't have this happening Uh send more than one car and they sent like six cars state new york state police oh. county sheriffs city city police you know the type of thing and the border patrol guy showed up okay so um uh, boom all the cops in the world were down here and parked behind my car and it wasn't me it was the drug deal that was going down
2: <laughs> <laughs> well it is terrific that we do have a lot of senators and other Government officials finally getting on board with UFO disclosure, and a matter of fact, on the show we we bid a fond farewell to Harry Reid uh, earlier in the year who passed away. So yeah, it's a good thing that so many officials are getting on board now. So next, a quick a
1: quick, sto- a quick story sure. with Lou Alessandro, 2017. Oh, yeah. I'm at the Cherry Hill, New Jersey um, uh, MUFON conference. Okay, I had a computer and a printer with me, and if you told us what uh, city and county you were from, we would give you a printout for your county. Free. Wow. Okay. And um, uh, Lou was talking to me, he had a cup of coffee Saturday morning, and I had a cup of coffee standing there. And we're talking and uh, I said, would you like to see something funny? He says, what's that? I says, You know, right now everybody's saying the UFOs are, you know, the, tan- the sightings are tanking. And he says, yeah, they really are. I says, well, maybe people keep saying, why are they tanking? I said, there's a new bunch of kids in town and and they've shown up he's what do you mean and i printed out this one particular shape and there were two other shapes with it they had exactly same sighting patterns except in a higher frequency of them okay so when the saturn shape ufo that's those half mile wide ones like the 1986 right. japan airlines guy experience yes. right you know when they show up teardrop, and egg-shaped UFOs show up. So think of them as like utility craft, you know? You wouldn't park the air bring that aircraft carrier into the dock. You'd leave it out in the bay and let the helicopters do all the uh, helicopters do all the traffic. Well, this is what this seemed to be, right? And I showed it to them where all the other stuff was tanking, and here were these three shapes going up rather steeply, okay? Right. And those uh, Saturn-shaped ships only show up about... Uh, Twenty to forty times a year, tops. Okay, they're rare. Okay, but when they, they do show up, these other two shapes in higher frequency show up as well. And he looked at the printout. says you know, he's always got a stoic face, you know. And he looked troubled, among, uh, uh, along with that stoic face, right? And he says, "Can I have this?" I said, "Sure." He folds it up, puts it in his lapel pocket. Last
2: I heard of it. But <laughs> oh yeah,
1: that's incredible. Numbers can <laughs> rattle people.
2: And you know yes. that ja- that Japanese sighting encounter, that is an amazing story. I'm pretty sure that was over Alaska. And they picked that up on radar. A gigantic, yeah. unidentified craft following the airplane. A,
1: seven, four, uh, freighter, a 747 yes. freighter.
2: And you can listen to the cockpit tapes, you know, with communication on the ground it's it's an amazing amazing sight
1: that the ship had more agility than the 747 yes that's what creeped out the aviation people you know that thing moved in amazing agility so
2: uh, that
1: that's one of my favorite stories too you know especially once I figured out that the data We back in In the early 2000s, mid 2000s, they were only maybe 20 or 30 sightings a year. In the 2017-2018 time frame, they shot up to over 150 a year sightings of the Saturn-shaped ships. When everything else had, since uh, um, 2013, the sighting reports on a yearly basis were falling by 30% a year. You know, I mean, they they really tanked and they bottomed out around 2017. And that's and then these guys were the new kids in town and and when they see their numbers started falling off again all the other numbers started coming back so who were these guys the Kleons, you know oh, yeah who knows
2: and and what truths must must be in those numbers right in that those facts it's something else so I got an interesting hot take for you here Cheryl the Salem witch trials miscarriage of judgment by a bunch of hysterical
1: people and they weren't witches they were accused of it but they weren't witches
2: yeah i've i've been to salem i've toured the memorial it's actually a really horrifically sad thing to tour
1: Well, uh, to go along with that, you got a guy down in Tennessee, you know, having book burnings and burning all the Harry Potter books and burning all the the, the Twilight books. Oh, they're witchcraft. And I stood up on my radio program, held up my my book, you know, Magical Musings and said, Harry Potter and Twilight is not real witchcraft. This is real witchcraft, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the bottom line is he's generating hysteria
2: and hate and it does not seem to be the path of the fisherman. Right. The carpenter. That, that actually brings me to my final hot take of the evening. You actually segued right into it because my son is now really into this. Uh, he's only seven and he's reading voraciously through everything he can get his hands on. But your hot yep. take on Harry Potter.
1: Oh, it's fun. Um, it's from from a magical standpoint, um it's a bit too it, it. It's what I call fantasy potion, potions and waving wands. And although I do like the first time we see Snape, you know, no, there will be no fancy wand waving or spell incantations in this room. You know, no. we're going to we're going to put do some real science and we're going to pour things in bottles and mix things. You know, uh, he was the quintessential magical chemistry teacher, and uh, uh, I really like Snape a lot from that standpoint. You know, but um, as far as th- it's it's Fantasy magic, okay, but it does show. Rowling did a good job of showing us an alternate culture that can be living right among us, and we don't know it. Sure, okay, but um, uh, that that that's all I can say about Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. I've written a LARP game in that kind of a universe, so to right. speak. You know. Um, uh, and as a trans, as a former trans activist, um, I have to say, I'm very annoyed with JK Rowling's take on, um, uh, things, but she's using a misnomer. And I'm going to make this very clear. Okay. Um, they uh, she frequently says a trans person can't be female. I know I'm not female. I don't have, I have male, I have male DNA. Okay. I, I can't be a female. I can be a woman, but I can't be a female. Okay, a woman is a social con uh, is a gender co- social construct versus uh, normally associated with a certain biology. Okay, and that's the arg that's the difference here, and that's where that's where uh, I would go head to head with J.K. Rowling if I had, had her over for tea.
0: <laughs> and you should have hey, her, we, her for tea.
1: <laughs> we we hey this household we have tea at four o'clock uh it is it is a nice herbal tea usually uh, any number of different herbal teas and we have little little ginger biscuits with them we we celebrate Mm -hmm. in this household and before we get save
2: the queen oh yeah (laughs) and before we get going cheryl can you tell our listeners where can I go to pick up your books and can do you have any sneak previews of upcoming projects for them
1: this, okay. the First thing, you can if you go to Amazon and you uh, go to book the book search and you put in Cheryl with a C, Costa with a C. Okay. If you put in uh, Cheryl with a C, Costa with a C, uh, and if you write UFO, you'll get our UFO books. Will come right up in front of you. The the two the two desk references and the uh, the UFO B. Okay. Um, if you. Proceed to go or move around a little bit in the book area that's associated with Cheryl Costa. You will find uh, some plays. You will find uh, 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 a book of my short stories, Charmaine's Tales. Uh, uh, fantastic, distur- uh, what how is it? fantastic, interesting and disturbing short stories. Okay, <laughs> I strongly recommend it. If you like the Twilight Zone, you'll Let's love Charmaine's out. Tales. I love the Twilight okay. Zone. Um, uh, It some pretty cool stuff. And I put a little conspiracy theory in my, in my fiction. So uh, I think you'll like it. I'm getting ready to put another one out. So, uh, okay. Now the other thing is, um, that's where the UFO books are. Um, here's what's coming and what we're working on presently. If we were to try and print out all of our data down to the municipal or zip code level, it would be a foot and a half thick. Wow. Okay. Two or three Oxford dictionaries. Okay. Uh, we can't do that, You can't sell a book like that. So what we've decided to do, and people think we're nuts to do it, but we, again, remember we're former project managers and we know how to design good process and everything. We've come up with a process, a rapid production process, and we have cleaned up our database to the point where we can generate the kind of reports we wanna do. Uh, we are getting ready to generate one book with all the kind of stuff you see in the desk reference but drilled down quite literally to the, mid, the, the zip code level in every single state. So there'll be 50 individual state books. Probably, we can probably put them all out over this year. Got a, got a written, written process right here that we're checking off all. I don't know if you can see it here, uh, move over a little bit. You can see the wow. different processes we're having to check off on every single state. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing for all 29 of the definable shapes between the two databases. There's oh about 33 shapes. But but the problem is, is that uh, three of them are unknown, anomalous, uh, and something else. Uh, but it's ambiguous. But all the things that actually have a shape, a circle, a square, a triangle, whatever. We're going to do an individual book on every one of them. And we're going to drill down. We're going to show you maps of where they are done by zip code. OK, and we can quite literally drill them And n- states that have a lot of sightings are not necessarily totally blank- blanketed by zip code. It's like a checkerboard. It's amazing. OK, and people ask us, why don't you do it by the cities? It would be just a lot of little dots and most of them would go around a major metropolitan area. If you do the zip codes, you get the suburbs, the bedroom communities the non-incorporated communities in the rural areas within a certain regional area based on zip code and if it's good enough for congress and senators to to monitor their their constituency it's good enough to monitor <laughs> <laughs> you yes. uh, uh, counties were too big counties were too big for this so by doing by zip code we got a, a different level of resolution and we're seeing some amazing things by doing it by zip code so so, uh, we're, so it's going to be about with an analysis book and the two, the reference books, it's gonna be about 80 books all together wow. by the time we're done with this thing. Um, and the, the idea is that uh, it's literally gonna be the largest published compilation of UFO statistics ever published in human history.
0: Incredible! Think about that a minute.
1: That is legendary. Okay. And that's, what, that's uh, when Linda and I are gonna say in front of some academic committee, we'll take our PhDs now.
2: <laughs> and they would be yeah, if some, well deserved.
1: You must have. We'll give a,
2: you an honorary if let PhD. This in, yes, <laughs> even that, even that. You still must have be some killer get, but, Excel but spreadsheets. Can, I can't even imagine.
1: You, well, you see, um, uh, I generated one for Dave Marlar today. Uh, it's going to be 220 pages, and that's... Printed horizontally, okay. Uh, So, uh, and basically, I did twenty years across the top, and two hundred and twenty pages of all the zip codes where triangles alone have been seen. So you're already getting an idea how big that that triangle book is going to be. Okay, and we're going to print the maps in there. We have the ability to take those zip codes and print them into a map. Okay. And uh, so um, it's going to be very impressive stuff. Um, Problem is we can't put them out individually. We have to literally build them all together because we found out that the thing that limits how fast you can put them out, we can generate all the charts, maps, all that stuff. We've got automation. We've designed to do this. (sighs) The thing that limits you is that cover. You only have a 10 page tolerance. So you have to know the page counts uh before you can make get a template to make the cover right okay mm-hmm. and that's 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 the limiting factor so what what we plan to do is basically generate all the stuff have it all in PDF form, we know exactly how major how many pages the whole works is front matter, ending matter, all the charts and graphs and tables in, inside any verbiage we're going to put in there, we're going to know exactly how big each and every book is before we generate the covers. Because in some cases, some of the smaller states may 10 or 12 smaller states may all have the same book size cover, right? Okay, so we only have to build those books together because we just uh, you know have a template for that page and just put a different state name on the front of each one so uh we're going to drive them the the amazon people crazy when we start uploading this whole series um, <laughs> Yes, no, you will. blow their socks off book construction is well, so I'm tedious is so frustrating
2: that's exciting a lot of
1: people think we're crazy but we're both retired now and i don't know if you can see the, the inside of the apartment Okay, I can't, not with the camera the way it is. But what we're doing, um, when we moved into this place, we decided not to make the living room the living room. We made the TV room back there in the sewing room. We made that in the master bedroom. We put our bedroom in the small kid's bedroom. And we took the whole front area, is our offices right here. I've got two large wire racks on my side, and this on the other side of it. Okay, there's our office space. And this whole area that would normally be living room and dining room, it's a war room. Uh, we've got a couple of large six-foot eight-foot tables strapped, strapped together with bungee cords. And this is our publishing war room. And this is how we're going to do this. So well, we made some sacrifices not to have a traditional living room. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be I cool think,
2: stuff. And- I think yeah. you are both going down as legendary figures in ufology and i hope absolutely you, you are and
0: we are so honored to have had yeah. you on our show i mean i don't know how we got so lucky to have you and and we told you we wouldn't do it but we just took two hours of your time <laughs> well it's, <laughs> it's okay That's we're a on a roll right last
1: there. point I'm <laughs> uh, in november while i was packing uh state university of new york at albany has taken my papers they had to send a freight truck down take 25 bankers boxes with them and their first analysis was, I got a thing back from the archive. I sent back a, a, a very simple letter telling me what they found. And they said, you know, she finished the letter with saying, you are the most unique individual I've ever analyzed. So, Aww, um, and, and I'm still sending, compliment. I'm still sending them stuff. Uh, give you an example. When I sent them a copy of the pink book, I sent them the draft, the, the draft printout was this thick and it's like three times as much it's all done individual sheets of paper and things so yeah. they're getting the original drafts of everything we're publishing and uh, as well as a copy of the real thing so um, uh, as as the director of their archive said to me Cheryl somebody 50 years from now is going to get a master's or a PhD based on what you two women have done <laughs>
0: yes. yes
1: now Absolutely. it's not totally UFO remember I was, not, no. I was I, I'm one of the 11 people who coined the term transgender back in the early 80s. Really? Uh, we, yeah there in the mid 80s, a handful of us got outed. We were on this board of the International Foundation for Gender Education. It's now defunct, but back then it was uh, very operational. And what we, uh, we there's about five of us that were outed from, nationally. And to keep my clearance, I had to be out. OK, mm. I had to be in a position where I couldn't be blackmailed. So um, I got outed in the uh, in one of the tabloids and I figured, OK, the cat's out of the bag, might as well run with it. So what we did was um, when we were going on shows like Donahue and things like this, um, the, uh, you know, and you, you know, all the major talk shows from that era. OK, yes. uh, Gary Collins, all this stuff. I did all those and all the people are talking, so that kind of thing. The deal was. um how do I want to say this? Uh, we, oh, we kept people ask us these terms, you know, I say, well, cross-stressor, transsexual, and they were medical terms taken out of the DSM-3. We said, we got to stop using clinical terms. And there was a medical doctor on our board, a trans woman, and she said, why don't we use a word like transgender, like an umbrella term? So we all concurred on that idea. So as the the five or six of us were out doing the talk show circuit and what I'm going to call the editorial circuit, magazines, that type of thing, newspapers, as we were out there talking about this topic matter, our usage of the term transgender got filtered into the lexicon, so to speak. Took Took 10 years of effort like this. In fact, when they were going to try and take my security clearance away from me, the government was going to try and take it away from me at Lockheed, uh, the guy said, well, I think you can be blackmailed. And I looked at him and I said, will you be back in a couple of weeks? He said, yeah. I said, tell you what, hold off turning off my clearance for three weeks. I think I can fix this. He said, I doubt it, but I'll see you in three weeks. And that's, I'll show off your clearance then. So when I came, he came back, uh, remember I was in transition at the time. So i was still going to work kind of quasi boy, but I had permed hair and thinning eyebrows and three earrings, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so, um, it was just before my high maintenance days, as they say. Yeah. And then, and so what happened is, I walked into him and I says, "I don't think you can take my clearance away." He says, "Why?" And I threw a video VHS tape on the desk. He said, "I'm the blonde on Phil Donahue. I'm the redhead on Gary Collins." Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "He said you came out on national television." I said, "Yeah." And his jaw went down to his belly button. And uh, I said, yeah, I did. You can't blackmail me. Oh, by the way, you were worried about the guys here at work and their families knowing about me. Well, I made copies of all this and I've given it to everybody in my my department. And they took them home and watched them with their wives, (laughs) you know? And uh, so I got a letter three weeks later saying, we thought that was bad judgment. So we're going to send you to see a Department of Defense certified shrink. So they did.
2: Oh, goodness.
1: I get down there, we, this guy and I talked for about 25 minutes, and he looks at me and says, Cheryl, you're saner than the people who sent you here.
0: <laughs>
1: so they ran me through a full set of psychologicals. Remember, I had already had a full set of psychologicals at Hopkins about a year or two before so and uh, what did we come back with two sets of psychologicals paid one paid for the divided defense department one paid for by lockheed and both of them said a perfectly healthy woman took this test so
0: and a genius that helped
1: (laughs) well that too yeah (laughs) but the bottom line was they they adjudicated my clearance they said okay fine you can keep your clearance you know you can't be blackmailed you were out about this stuff and they say you're sane. (laughs) okay you're good (laughs) That's oh, it, my
0: wonderful. Oh, it's been so great chatting with you.
1: Let's do this another time. Yeah. <laughs> let's do yeah. it. We would love Once to have all you all back. the
0: next step comes out.
1: Uh, it, it's probably going to take us about eight months to a year to do. I mean, we don't. We're not working with any new data. We're still the 2001 to yeah. 2020. So it's a matter of uh, I've generated. Let's see, in the last three days, I've generated uh, Alabama. Alaska and Nevada. So, you know, I'm, I'm knocking out about one state a day. California and the top 10 states will probably take me two or three days for each state because they're so big. And the, the reports are easy to generate. The computer does all the heavy lifting there. It's going in and formatting the headers on the pages. Right. That is the time consuming part. It's tedious right. work. So you put on a pot of decaf coffee and you keep going.
0: Well, we'll have you back on next year then when that comes out. We'll have lots
1: more. Sometime either late this year or early next year, we'll have this. We'll make sure you know about it. I got, got, we're friended, uh, Dr. Mouse and I are friended, so we'll make sure uh, I I let you know what's going on and how we're progressing with it. But uh, that's where we're going and that's what we intend to do. And unless one of us, unless we two of us drop dead, we're going to produce these things. But then we're going to run off into the sunset and do things we like to do.
2: Okay,
1: We're going to start warping again,
2: and, and Linda's going to start sewing for the uh, Western Reserve Historical Society. So, you know, so. well deserved too. Well, thank Thanks. you so much for joining us tonight. It's thank been a you. real this pleasure.
1: Thank you. This has been fun. This has been fun. It has been,
2: Thanks. Yeah. It's been great. Everybody, have a good night. Stay unexplained. CJ, been great coming back home with you. Amazing, Cheryl Costa. Thank you so much. Stay unexplained, everybody. Good night.
0: You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. Find us on Venmo under the business accounts just look for at Bigfoot UFO. If you can't get enough of us, go ahead and check us out at allthings unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.